You're listening to the Metro LA Podcast, an official podcast of the LA International Church of Christ. Good morning, everybody. Robert Carrillo here in Metro Vision Studios. Good morning and welcome to the Los Angeles International Church of Christ, to the Metro region. Great to have you with us. And uh, if you're joining us from wherever you're joining us, I send you greetings uh, and hellos, and it's great to have you with us. Um, I'm excited about today's study. I think this is, uh, uh, we're going to have a great time studying the Word of God together. And uh, let's go ahead and have a prayer and prepare our hearts to listen to God's Word. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for the Bible. Thank you for giving us your Word. Thank you for uh, providing it for us all the time, God, that we can get direction, we can get strength, we can get help, we can get guidance. Father, help us to have humble hearts and really be open to whatever you have to say to us, help us to listen carefully, give you our attention, and Father, not be uh, multitasking while while we're reading your Bible, God, but to really focus our hearts and our minds. Help us, Father, to get all that we can out of this lesson and to allow your spirit to move through it, God. We love you, and in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So let's go ahead and, and uh, let's go to Genesis chapter 1. This is a, a a very, I would say, a foundational study. This is uh, really uh, kind of brings us back to the beginning. And where's the beginning? Well, Genesis chapter one. So, so we start out with we're starting out with the creation, right? And and he says in Genesis chapter one, verse one, which is a poem, by the way. I mean, a lot of people read this and think it's a it's more a report, and they're looking for factual evidence. It's a poem. It's a poem about the creation of the world. That's why it's indented the way it is in your Bible. And he starts out and he says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. I mean, what a beautiful, what a beautiful beginning. You know, I mean, just boom, this is the creation. The Spirit of God is hovering over. And he says, and then it says in verse 3, And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. So we start out, and the first thing he, you know, he, he his spirit moves, hovers over the waters, and he says, "Let there be light and light." And on the first day, he created light. He created light, and he looked at it and said, "It was good. Everything God makes is good." He looked at the light and he identified it as good. That was day one. Day two. He separates the waters and the sky and the land and he puts a division between them and separates them out. And he looks at them and it says, he says it was good, right? And then day three, uh, the, he creates the vegetation and the plants and the trees and all the seed bearing plants. And, and he looks at that and he says it was good, right? It is good. And then day four, he uh, creates the seasons and the times and the days and the nights and he, and he separates it. So things come in seasons and in turns and we have the sun for the day and the moon for the night. And, and he looks at all that and he, what is it? It is good, right? And then day five, uh, he creates the living creatures, right? This is out of the water came the living creatures. We have fish and we have animals and we have birds and, and he creates all of these in his creation, and he looks at them, and he says, they are good. It was good. And then we arrive to the sixth day, and that's the big day, the, the grand finale of creation. Well, what happens in the grand finale? Well, he creates humankind, right? 
He creates humankind. And we read in verse, uh, we're going to read in verse 26. And it says, um, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image and in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish and the sea and the birds in the sky and over the livestock and on the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. And and so we we hear, okay, we're told that God says, let's make mankind in our image, right? The Elohim in Hebrew. Interesting that it's plural, right? It's not singular. It's not just God the Father. It's God the Father, God the Son, and His Holy Spirit, right? They In our image and in our likeness, okay, that we're going to look like Him and we're going to be like Him, right? I mean, think about that. He makes us in His image and in His likeness. We're going to look like Him in our being and we're going to be like Him in how we function. And He says, and then he talks about the creation and he makes, he makes, he puts us in charge of basically the earth and the animals. And the, and it's important to note that it's not just that we can go kill it and destroy it and do whatever we want. It's, we're actually put in charge like a manager is put in charge. Like we're supposed to take care of this thing. We're supposed to have dominion over it to make sure that we do. Remember the parable of the talents. Make sure that we do something with what we've been given, that we're responsible for it. God holds us responsible for what happens to the earth and what happens to the animals, right? And he says, so therefore he created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female, both made in his image, right? And then we jump down to verse 31. It says, God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And it was very good. Every time he made things, he made the, he made the light, and he said it was good. He made the, the, the day and the night, and he said it was good. He made the plants and the animals, and he said they were good. Everything was good, good, good. Then he makes us, and he looks at everything, and he says, it's very good. You are very good. Tov meod in Hebrew. Tov meod. You are, you're not just good. You're very good. He made it. Why? Because we're made in his image. We are not like the rest of the things. We're not like the plants. We're not like the animals. We're not like the rest of creation. Why? Because the rest of creation, although it is all good, it is literally all good, but not all of it is in the image of God. We are. You and I are made in the image of God. There are many things I love in my life. There are many things that I love in my family and in my household. We had three dogs that we loved. One of them actually was grew old and died, and we all mourned our little dog's death, Oscar. And that was a sad day, and 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 we hurt over him. We love our home. We love our things, but none of those things, not even our pets, do we love as much as our kids. They're us. They're, they're in our image. When my son Andrew spoke at a Hope Youth Corps thing and, and he shared and everybody texted me and told me, your son is totally you. He's just like you. He is totally, he reminded us so much. He speaks like you. He carries himself like you. He actually looks like Michelle physically, but his character is a lot like my character. 
And 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 I take I'm encouraged by that. I loved hearing that. I loved getting those texts. There is something special between us and our kids because they're in our image, right? They're in our image. And that is very good. We are made in the image of God. Very good. We like things good, don't we? The other night we were watching a movie, Michelle and Karina and I, we, we put on a movie. And the movie was so bad. It was just terrible. It was not good. It was just not good at all. After about 15 minutes, I just couldn't take it more. We stopped it and we hunted around and found another movie. We found a good movie, right? If, if I'm going to spend two hours sitting there, I want it to be a good two hours, right? If you're going to go to the movies and spend all that money on a ticket and popcorn and stuff, it better be good, right? You don't want to spend all that money and all that lose all that time for something that isn't good. We like good things. We go to restaurants and we hunt through that menu to find good food, something that's good. We certainly don't want to spend a lot of money on something that doesn't taste good or isn't good to us. We love good food. We want everything to be good that matters to us. We were recently in Spain and we watched the European Cup and the 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 Spanish team was fun to watch through it all while we were in Spain because it was a good team and they were playing very good. They were playing really well and and they were beating everybody, beating everybody and they only got all they got all the way to the semifinals and they lost to Italy in the in the semifinals. And that was a bummer. But we still watched the world I mean the European Cup and all we wanted, we didn't really care which team won, but what we wanted was a good game, right? Again, I'm going to spend all an hour and a half watching this, or it ended up being two hours. It was a great game. It was really good. It was very good because it went into penalty kicks, and it was a nail-biter all the way to the end uh, before they finally won, before Italy finally won. And, and, but it was, we all want that, right? We want our, we want our team to be good, whether you're a Lakers or Clippers or Dodgers or Chargers or Rams or Galaxy or whoever you support. You want them to have a good team this year and to play well, right? To play a good game. It's just what we like. We're made in God's image. God loves what is good. Everything he does, what is good. So we're drawn to what is good. We want what is good. We like things to be good. We want our life to be good. Everybody wants a good life. Nobody's like, oh, I hope my life is terrible. Nobody's like, I'm planning on really having a rotten life. No, we, we, we all plan on having a good life. You know, we're all, all the teens are thinking about what they're going to do and they want a good life and have a good life and, and that, that kills them to look on social media to see somebody else is having a good life and they don't feel like they're having a good life and everybody wants a good life and you go to college so you can have a good life and you work hard and you hopefully meet somebody you can marry someday so you can have a good life and we get a good job and we want to have a good job so we can have a good life and we want to work good and be good employees and boom, boom, boom. I mean, everything we do is we're chasing that good because we're made in God's image and we are drawn to what is good. What is good matters and we want a good life. Everything God does is good. He made light, it was good. He made the mountains and they are good. He made the forest, they are good. He made the the fish of the sea and the animals of the world and they are all good. It's, It's who he is. It's what he does. And you were made good. You were made good. In fact, in verse 31, it says, very good. The Hebrew word is selem in his form. Selem in his 
form, demut, in his likeness. Not just to be like him, but to act like him. That was our design. That's how God designed us to be. He designed us to be good. He designed us to live good lives. He designed designed us to have a good life. He likes things very good. What does that mean? That means good relationships, good friendships. That means good marriages, good families, good life, a life that matters, a life with meaning and purpose and feeling like you're going to do something and accomplish something and, and you're here for a good reason. No matter what happens around you, God wants you to have a good life. No matter if you have money or no money, education or no education, whether you have re- good resources or not, or you're talented or not talented, or you have good looks or don't have good looks, if you're, if you're handsome or you're not that handsome, or you're beautiful or you're not so beautiful, or you're, or you have great opportunities, or you have lots of challenges or hardships or, or obstacles in your life, it doesn't matter. God made you to have a good life anyways. No matter what happens in life, no matter what the world dishes out, no matter what Satan throws at you, he still wants you to have a good life because you were designed for that and made for that. We're made in his likeness. The challenge is we don't necessarily live the good life. Not really. We don't necessarily have the good life. Despite the fact that we were designed for that. And the question's always there, right? If we are made in God's image, why is there so much things that are so many things that are not good? Why is there so much evil in the world? Why is there so many bad relationships? Why is there so many bad marriages, even in the church? Why are there so many families not doing well? Why are there so many people struggling all the time? Why are so many people, even in the church, Forget even having a great life, not even having a good life. Not enjoying all the good things of life. Why is that? Well, here's the, here's the trick of it here. Being made in God's image means we also have a choice. We choose. We get to choose. The plants don't get to choose. The animals don't get to choose. Fish don't get to choose. They are what they are, and they live as they live, and that is it. And they don't get to choose how they're going to live. They don't get to choose between wrong and right. They don't make moral decisions. But we do, because we are made in God's image. Good is a choice. Very good is a choice. We have to choose to do good. We have to choose to be good. We have to choose to live according to our design, the image of God. That's a choice we make. We can learn a lot from Adam and Eve because they had the same choices we do. There's stories in there for us to learn, to us to learn from. What happened? They made some bad choices. Because they were in God's image, they got to choose whether to do right or do wrong. That comes with the territory of being made in God's image. We get to choose, and we can make bad choices if we want to. But what caused that? 
Why did they make bad choices? Because they were listening to the wrong one. Instead of listening to God, they started listening to the serpent, to Satan. They listened to Satan, and Satan convinced them not to trust God. That God was trying to hinder them. That God was holding them back from knowing what they needed to know and from becoming like God. And here's the crazy thing. He says that God doesn't want you to be like him. Talk about a trap. They are made like him. We are made in his image. But Satan had a way of twisting that and making it look like God didn't want them to be like him, knowing good and evil. And so he sowed mistrust. And he sowed doubt, which is always what he does. Don't trust God. Don't trust his word. Don't trust his ways. Therefore, don't obey him in everything. Maybe some things, but not everything. Trust in yourself. Trust in what you can do yourself. And they listened to him. And they made bad choices. And they lost everything. They lost paradise. They lost intimacy with God. They used to walk around with God. They used to hang out with God. And they lost that. And they lost their innocence. And the next thing you know, they're hiding from God. They're covering up their shame. Suddenly they're ashamed. And they're covering, them, covering themselves up and sowing fig trees and hiding from God. And God is saying, where are you? And to this day, God's saying that. Where are you? See, the same thing happens to us. We mistrust, we doubt, and we hide. And we cover ourselves up. That's what happens to us. And the question is, the question is can we get that back? Can we get back to the Garden of Eden? Can we get back to being good with God and being ourselves, our good selves, our true selves? Can we get that? And the answer is yes. That is exactly why Jesus came, to get us back in good with God, to help us to become who we were designed to be, like God. Jesus said, I have come that they may have life. And that word life, I've shared it before, it's not the word breathing, it's not bios, which is one Greek word for life. That's what trees have, that's what animal have, animals have, but we're different. He used the word zoe, which is, mean, or zo, which means life with meaning and purpose and goodness. That's the good life. That's zoe. The good life. And that's what Jesus came. And not only did he come to give us that, he also came to establish the kingdom of God so that we'd have a place to live that life. You mean a physical place? No, not a physical place, a spiritual place. A place where there's love, where there's the power of God, where there's joy, where there's kindness, where there's faith, where, where all the good things that we need to have the good life are available. That's the kingdom of of God. And not only that, but he also gave us his spirit to help us have that good life. 
that anybody who would believe and repent and be baptized, he would deposit his spirit in them. You have it in you. So you have two incredible things. You are made in God's image and you have the Holy Spirit. If you have believed, repented, and got baptized, you said your confession, Jesus Lord, you have right now the Spirit of God in you. And that is good. And that is what God is trying to give us. And most importantly, Jesus died for us. He paid the price of our sins. Why? So we could be free to live that life. So that sin and the garbage of the world and all the bad junk in the world wouldn't destroy us, wouldn't stop us, wouldn't hold us back. He came to set us free so we could have that, right? In Romans chapter 8, go ahead and turn there with me. Romans uh, chapter 8, classic chapter about God's plan, explaining to us what God is up to. In Romans 8, verse 28, he says, And we know that in all things, which things? All things. God works for the good. Who? God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. Who loves him? You love him. I love him. He works for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. You've been called. I've been called. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to what? The image. There it is again. The image of his son. See, Jesus came as the perfect image. So we would be able to look at that image and see that's what we're supposed to be. That's what we're designed to be. We're designed to be like Jesus. So that we would have, so that he says, predestined to be conformed. What does conform mean? Shaped, formed, spiritual formation, transformation. To the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. In other words, he did everything we need for this. To have that good life. The good life. The life that God has for all of us. Jesus is the way back to what is good. He's the way back to God and the way to back to being back to being what we were designed to be in the first place. Back to being in his likeness, to being like God, being like our Father. Because why? Because you're in his image. You are sacred. Because you're made in the image of God. You are good. You're not just good. You are very good. You are very good. But let's really be honest here for a second. Let's just stop and be honest here. We don't usually feel very good. We don't feel like we're very good. We don't feel like we're doing so good. We carry a lot of guilt. We carry a lot of shame. We know we've messed up. And Satan is always right there telling you, you're no good. You do not live up to God's expectations. You failed. You are a lousy example. You don't cut it. You aren't enough. That's Satan. That's the serpent. 
Are you listening to him? He's trying to convince you how rotten you are and that you are nothing like God. First, he'll try to get you to turn on God and not trust God. But if he can't get you to do that, if you're too convinced that God is good and you know that God is good, then he'll get you to just believe you're no good. You're no good. And a lot of us, we're not living the good life. Our marriages, maybe they're okay. We accept okay, but okay is not good and good is not even good enough. Because God gives us things to be very good. He wants your marriage very good. He wants your friendships in the church to be very good. Not just okay, but very good. And here's a kicker. Satan will always try to get us, first to try to blame God for things not being good. And if we can't blame God, then he tries to get us to blame the church. Oh, it's the church's fault. The church didn't help me. The church hurt me. The church traumatized me. This brother traumatized me. That sister traumatized me. And 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 and, and let's let's be honest, the church is an easy target. Because the church does blow it. <laughs> a lot. And if you've been around very long, you know the church has blown it a lot. And yet that's still God's plan. Because in that group of people who blow it a lot, we learn how to love. We learn how to forgive. We learn how to be like God. It's the training ground. But it's a safe training ground because we can forgive each other. This is a group of people that have to love each other. Here's the cool thing. You guys have to love me. You have to. If you're a disciple, if you want to go to heaven, I have to love you. It's not, it's not optional. We, may, we chose this path to love each other. So what a great place to learn how to love, to learn how to forgive, to learn how to persevere, to learn how to not give up. But Satan's always whispering, always trying to get us to give up. And then we give up and we either turn on God or we turn on the church. Oh, they were horrible. Those are horrible people. They've hurt me. They've done this all that. And it's it's such an easy target, <laughs> the church. Instead of just taking responsibility for our own lives and for what we're doing. Because God has given us everything we need for life and godliness. Even though he knows the troubles of this world even though he knows that Satan will be after us, even though he knows even the people of God are going to blow it and hurt us sometimes. He knows all that. And yet, and yet it's still good. His plan is still good. But we got to stop listening to Satan's lies. Because good is a choice. And we have to choose what is good. We have to choose God's way to keep trusting, to keep obeying, to keep following, to keep faithful, to not bail on each other, but to keep loving one another. That's what is good. And that's what is right. And not just good, it's very good. And you were designed to be very good. In fact, the fact is you are very good. You say, well, Robert, didn't, didn't you just say you are evil? Didn't he say that? He did. Because we fill up with evil. And we can become that. But who you were designed to be, your true self, is very good. Your false self is rotten. So is mine. But my true self, made in God's image, 
is not just good, it's very good. And sometimes even good is the enemy of very good. We settle for good when God really wants to give us what is very good, but we must choose him. The Bible's not magic. The church is not magic. We must choose to learn the scriptures. We must choose to be well-connected to the church and to draw out all that we can and learn to love each other. We must choose to prioritize God and the things of God, the kingdom of God. Everything from showing up and watching Wednesday midweek and participating to time pouring our hearts out with God and making sure we keep that time every day in our life where we share with him, where we praise him, where we worship him, where we hold him up, where we tell God how awesome he is, where we write to him, where we sing to him, where we truly worship the Lord. Those are choices. We all have 168 hours a week. What we do with those 168 hours is our choice. So, oh, no, I, you don't know, I got to work a lot. I got a lot of chores. I got a lot of stuff to do. Da, 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 I'm just running for the, it's your choice. We all have the exact same, 168 hours a week. What we do with our time, what we prioritize, how we spend our money, how we spend our time, it's our choice. Do we choose what is good and what is right? In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, go ahead and turn with me there. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, or go there on your phone or wherever. He says, verse 18, And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. We're being what? Transformed into what? His image. The image of God. When we become Christians, we made a choice to say, Jesus is Lord, my life is in your hands. And that was our choice. But it's up to us every day to live up to that choice, to choose that choice. To say, like Joshua said, as for me and my household, we shall serve the Lord. As for me, I will follow Jesus. Every day, I choose what is good. When I get in a dispute with my wife, I choose to do what's right. When I feel upset about something, I choose to do the right thing. When I decide how am I going to spend my hours this week, I choose to put God at the top. Those are the choices that make life good, make life very good. And that's what Satan would love to take away from us. Your life is precious. It is sacred. You are sacred. Because you're not a tree or an animal. You are the image of God. You carry his image within you. In Mark chapter 12, and we're going to close out here. The Pharisees were again trying to trap Jesus as they often did. Totally misunderstanding him. Totally not getting it not understanding what Jesus was trying to teach them. Because that's a choice. 
Will I understand and will I put into practice Jesus what Jesus taught? And in Mark chapter 12, beginning in verse, uh, let's go to verse 13. Later they sent some of the Pharisees and Herodians to Jesus to catch him in his words. They came to him and said, Teacher, we know that you are a man of integrity. You aren't swayed by others because you pay no attention to who they are, but you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. Is it right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not? Should we pay or shouldn't we? What a bunch of snakes. I mean, they were just totally trying to tra- trap Jesus, right? They're complimenting him. Oh, we know you're a man of integrity. But they are just totally laying a trap. Satan's always trying to lay a trap for you. To not choose what's good. To not do the very good. To not be very good. But Jesus knew their hypocrisy. Why are you trying to trap me, he asked. Bring me a denarius and let me look at it. They brought the coin and he asked them, Whose image is this and whose inscription? Jesus, being awesome, being Jesus, sees right through their trap and he tells them, Bring me a coin. And they take a denarius. And he says, whose image is this? Because every coin has, a, has an image, right? See, this is a quarter. Whose image is on a quarter? Who? I asked this the other day in the park. And I, was, I have to say, I was a little surprised how many people didn't know. <laughs> yeah, it's George Washington. How about a dime? Who's on a dime? That's when that gets everybody. Who's on a dime? Franklin D. Roosevelt's on a dime. Didn't know that, huh? Here's an easy one. Who's on a nickel? Yes, Thomas Jefferson. How about this one? Here's a hard one. Silver dollar. Old antique silver dollar. Who is she? I'll give you a hint. It's a woman. Yeah, it's Lady Liberty. Lady Liberty's on it. Jesus holds up the coin and says, Whose image? Whose icon? Whose icon? Whose image here? And they, of course... They say, it's Caesar's, they replied. Then Jesus said to them, give back to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God, what is God's. In Genesis 1, it says, let us make man, let's make humankind in our icon. It's the Greek word, in our icon. Jesus held up the coin, whose icon? Caesar's. Give to Caesar what is his, but give the God's icon to God. You are God's icon. You are his image. You are sacred. You are holy. You are the image of God. Choose, therefore, what is good. Choose the way of Jesus. He came so that we would know the way, have the way. He came even laying down his life so that we could be set free of whatever would stop us. Do not listen to the serpent that you're no good or that God is not good or that the church and his people are not good. Do not let that be your influence. Choose, choose God's way. Choose to be like God. Choose 
to be like Jesus and give to God what is God's, which is your very self. God bless you and when coming. You've just listened to the Metro LA podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit MetroLARegion.com.